If you have a Bible, if you're going to turn with me in your Bibles, turn to the Gospel of Matthew, the very first book of the New Testament, as we celebrate the reality that God gave us a Savior, uh, Christ our King. Uh, many of you know that last Sunday was a huge day in the family of the, Jake, the Jakes family. It was one of those life-defining moments. I'm sure you've had them. Uh, they don't come along that often, but there are moments in life where you realize this is significant. There's a big thing that is happening. And that defining moment uh, was the marriage of our son Caleb, our third born, to his absolutely beautiful wife, Hetty. Uh, and by God's grace, he gave us a, a gorgeous day up in Howie and Hills. It was an amazing day for those of us who love Jesus was here worshiping with you, went up and officiated that, that wedding. And the Jake's family was able to grow. Uh, we had a plus one. Uh, what an incredible blessing Hetty is. And it's one of those moments where you really know, hey, this kind of redefines us as a family. Uh, this is, we're different uh, than we used to be. And you know those. I mean, it's the birth of a child or the birth of a grandson or a great-granddaughter. It's, uh, uh, it's something significant, like a wedding. Um, or, or it could be something significant as a death or, or of a loss. Uh, but history's most defining moment of all of history, the most defining moment was the birth of Jesus, our Savior. Uh, Jesus' birth truly changed everything, did it not? Uh, even our calendar, no matter how they want to modernize it. Uh, our calendar is the things that happened before the birth. These are before Christ, and these are the things that happen after Christ has come. Uh, it even changed not only our, our calendars, it changed time. The Bible will tell us that it was in the fullness of time that Jesus would come. It's interesting word that it uses, this fullness of time. It, it sounds like a gestation period, that time was pregnant. All the promises of God had reached the point where, you know what, it's time to give birth to God's promises. It's time to give birth to God's Son uh, and the reality of, of what He has done for us in that fullness of time. And when Jesus came, uh, it's amazing what the Bible now tells us that we now live in the end times. These, these are uh, the end times. Uh, time has changed. And a weary world rejoiced that finally God's promises had come to fruition. A weary world was saying, thank you, Jesus, that you've come in the world. Well, did a weary world really rejoice when Jesus came? For the most part, they missed it. For the most part, they had no idea of the incredible magnitude of what was happening in history. And the ones who got it were like some shepherds out in the field, like a little place called Bethlehem, right? I mean, they're the ones who are like, whoa, something big is going on. Why? Because all of a sudden, they're out there in the beautiful night sky, and angels show up. So the angels knew that this was significant. I mean, angels were coming, and they were singing about the glory of God. They were singing of, of, of the incredible plan of God, that God himself, who had created them and created us, that he had come to rescue us. I love the fact that heaven couldn't remain silent. I love the fact that there had to be like a spontaneous concert of angels. That weary world in that place rejoiced. And even it tells us, Scripture gives us a little, little look into Mary's heart. I mean, Mary, wow, what a faithful servant. Uh, she really it was a faithful servant. Um, uh, when, when, when it was announced to her that, hey, by the way, you're going to be uh, with child. And she's like, how does that happen? I'm not married and I haven't had any relationship with a man yet. 
and, and Mary, hey, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you, and what you're going to bear is a son. Uh, the, the holy child is within your womb. And, and you got to be, here's this teenage girl thinking, oh my gosh. But what does she say? After she so wonders how this could happen, she says, hey, I'm your servant. And, 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 and what, may your word come true. And, and that, that, that messenger said, you're blessed. It's, a, it's absolutely incredible. And scripture will say she pondered it. She's trying to figure it out. Can you imagine? I mean, here she is you know, riding that donkey into Bethlehem, out in that manger. I'm thinking, I had those angels show up, and all of a sudden, you're giving birth. I mean, uh, moms, how do you picture your birth? Or what was the birth of your firstborn like? You know, you, you don't picture these circumstances, do you? I mean, you certainly don't. And you got to think, are you kidding me? But she pondered and wondered what was really happening. Well, this week we are in the uh, second week of an Advent series. We're in the third week of Advent, just to confuse you. Uh, and, and the series is called A Weary World Rejoices. And I know this about our world. It's weary, is it not? And I know this about our world. We long to rejoice. Uh, even now, we, we, we long to, to celebrate. And that's something phenomenal about Christmas every year, because every year it feels like we're just weary. Every year we get to celebrate and rejoice. Why? Because into this weary world, God sent his son. And he sent his son specifically on a mission, right? I mean, it wasn't just sent his son just to show up and say hi, uh, or set up and show, hey, I, I care for y'all. He came on a mission uh, to rescue us from everything that this weary world produces. Weariness, brokenness. And because Jesus has come, no matter how broken it gets inside or around us, we have hope. We have hope because he has come. Uh, we have joy, joy to the world, even in the midst of it, because our Savior has come, and he started a good work, he's going to finish it. And we have peace. We have peace right now with God, who is. And we have a peace that's come to earth, and it's not here fully yet, but we know that one day it will. Into this weary world, God gave us a son. And last week we looked at God gave us a shepherd, and how much we need a shepherd uh, to, to come after us, and how he is the good shepherd. This morning we're going to look at God gave us a Savior, what does it mean that Christ is a Savior? Next week, we're going to look at God gave us a king. Christmas Eve, we're going to look at God gave us his son. So that's kind of what's coming up. But let me remind you that God gave us a Savior. That's what we're going to focus on this morning in Matthew's text. And here are the points that we're going to go through. You shall call his name Jesus. Jesus will save. Jesus will save his people. And Jesus will save his people from their sins. So if you have a Bible, if you don't, look right in front of you. There's one there for you. Uh, we're going to look at Matthew uh, chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Uh, the birth narrative is given to us in Scripture, specifically in two of the four Gospels. Matthew tells us part of the story. Luke tells us most of the story. Mark is going to start off with uh, uh, the baptism of Jesus. doesn't tell us any of the birth story. And John starts off like... Genesis. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. So this is one of the two places in Scripture where we can find that birth narrative. Um, and hear the word of the, God, uh, the word of the Lord. I'm going to pick up in verse 18 and read through verse 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Jesus, Jesus, uh, Joseph, sorry, that changes the story. Let me read that again. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. 
And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to public shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, that's a big thing there. That's going to give us an indication that this is a promised king who was coming. Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Man, talk about the faith he had to have to hear that. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from the sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Oh, Father God, we just thank you for the most incredible story of God with us. God, we thank you for the fact that this plan of yours that, that you and uh, Father, Son, and Spirit came up with before time began to rescue us, in the delivering of, of our Savior, your Son, Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit. God, we thank you for how beautiful and how mysterious it is. And God, I thank you for the reality that Jesus did come. And he did come to rescue us, his people. He came as Savior. And oh, how this weary world needs a Savior. Oh, how this weary pastor needs a Savior. How this congregation this community, this state, this country, this world needs Jesus as Savior. So God, would you come and be with us? Would you remind us of the true meaning of Christmas? Would you show us what a, what a Savior does and who he really is? God, would you speak through a broken sinner like me? And would you give us ears to, to understand and hear your voice and a mind that understands your story and this Christmas story? And God, would you give us the gift of faith and a heart that would embrace your truth? And God, would you give us feet that would walk in a manner worthy of your name? God, the things that I say that are just my opinion are wrong, may those things just fall away and be forgotten. But God, the good news of the gospel is here. And would you use those things to make us more like our Savior, Jesus? And it's in his matchless name that we pray. Amen. The first thing we're going to see that when the angel appears to Joseph, hey, Joseph, by the way, you're going to have a son. Uh, the son's coming. It's not really technically your son, Joseph, but Mary, uh, she's going to give birth to a son, and you're going to have your role. You're going to give him a name, and his name is going to be Jesus. The first thing we're going to see here is the giving of the name. Uh, one of the greatest joys that parents have uh, is naming your children. I see the Flemings are here. My goodness, they had the joy of doing it eight times. Uh, fantastic. Anybody beat eight times? Uh, that probably wins a record. That's pretty amazing. But you got to cheat each child that comes along. You want to know, okay, are we going to use a family name? I mean, what's, what's behind the name that you are given? Are you going to have a, a junior? Uh, guys, you're going to have one that comes, a son, and, and name him junior. But you see, that's the right that parents have, right? Parents have the right. We have the authority to name our children. It's a pretty cool thing. 
Uh, Katie and I have been blessed with four grown children, uh, but each child had a specific meaning behind their name. Uh, Jesse is not Jessica, she's Jesse. Um, I call her pot pie. Uh, but we got her name Jesse. You ready for this? Uh, we went to a family reunion before we had kids. And we saw it on a gravestone. Maybe it's kind of weird, uh, but there was one that was related to us, Jesse Lyman Johnson. They were connected to Johnson Wax. What do we get out of Johnson Wax? Absolutely nothing. But the name Jesse. We're like, hey, we like that name, Jesse with I-E. Uh, so we named our daughter Jesse. And then Jeffrey Peter Jakes Jr. came along. We've always called him JP. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm one of those dads. I, I have the joy of sharing my son with my uh, my name with my firstborn son, uh, which is awesome. And then we have Allison, our youngest. Uh, uh, it's Allison with one L, not two. It's not with a Y. It's A-L-I-S-O-N, the right way of spelling it. Why? Because she's named after my beloved sister. Um, her name, we call her more Allie now. But so there's a story behind all of them. And then that, that one dude that just got married, his name is Caleb. And I love how we got the name Caleb. Caleb's a name from the Bible. Uh, Caleb was a, a, a spy. Uh, I mentioned this at his wedding. I called him, uh, during the wedding, a badass spy. Can you say that as a pastor? But that's kind of what he was. Uh, it was Joshua and Caleb. Uh, they went into promised land. Uh, and, uh, and when everybody else was against the Lord, they stood for him. Uh, he was there. He believed in God when it wasn't the popular thing to do. But I named him Caleb because you know what Caleb means? He served the Lord wholeheartedly. And of all the things I dreamed of is I want a son, I want a son who stands up. When others aren't doing it, I want a son who's going to serve the Lord wholeheartedly. And by God's grace, he's doing well so far. So we named him Caleb. And that's our hope and prayer. You know, one of, my, one of my favorite stories in Scripture, it's just found in Genesis chapter 2. And it's a story that, that God's Word tells us of Adam naming the animals. Now, you might not hit pause and say, well, why? What is God doing? Why, why does God give us the story in Genesis 2, early on, of Adam naming the animals? I mean, did God just like run out of names? I mean, was he like too busy? No, no, no. It's really cool what God was doing. Uh, God was, was showing that of all of creation, Adam was different than every, anything God made. Because God made everything. He spoke it all into existence. But watch this. Adam was made in his image. Adam was his reflection. Adam was made to know and love God, and Adam was made to represent God on earth. He was what, what, what theologians call a vice regent. He represents God. He was to reign and rule in God's place on earth for God's glory. So how does God show that he's got that authority? Watch this. He names the animals. Now, many of your friends might say, hey, our animals are in equal plane as we are. You got, you got humans and you got your cats, your dogs, your animals. We're all together. It's not true. We're different. We're different by design. They're not in God's image. We are. So what was, what was God doing having Adam name the animals? He's showing, this is what I made you for. Have dominion. Have rule over them. Have authority. Giraffe. Hippopotamus. Cow. Snake. Whatever. whatever. I, I imagine God was delighted listening to see as they came, what would Adam call them? He was doing, Adam was doing that which God had given authority to do. You see, parents have the authority to name their children. And so, uh, isn't that a, a joy of ours? Well, isn't it interesting that Mary and Joseph did not have the authority to name Jesus? They didn't have that authority. That was not given to them. 
God is the one. God the Father is the one who names Jesus. Why? Because, watch this. This is really interesting. Because Mary and Joseph aren't over Jesus. I mean, they are in age. And amazingly, God came in flesh and was nursed by a human mother, probably a teenager. But that was her Lord. That was her Savior. The authority wasn't in Mary. The authority was with Jesus. Jesus was over Mary and Joseph. My goodness, Jesus is the eternal word put on flesh. He's over all of creation. I mean, Jesus is the eternal one. He's certainly before them. Therefore, the story is this. You shall call his name Jesus. Uh, that's the reality. Jesus arrives on earth with a name. Uh, the name was given by God. So that's his giving of the name. Let's talk about the meaning of the name. The name Jesus. Why call him that? It's Yahshua, uh, meaning Yahweh saves. Uh, give him the name, the Jesus. Why? Because that's the name of God saves. We have studied as a church right before Advent. We were in the book of Exodus. And we looked at some themes in the book of Exodus, and we learned that God saves his people. He saved his people from, from sin. Uh, he saves his people from slavery in Egypt. Uh, he rescued them. Remember the plagues he sent on them? Uh, that he provided this Passover lamb, and at the sacrifice of the Passover lamb and the blood of the Passover lamb, death passed by his people. And we realize that the Bible says that Passover lamb was Jesus. Wow, God saves Give them the name God saves. Remind them of the Passover. Remind them that God always rescues his people. And then that name, Yahshua, Joshua, appears again when Moses dies before the promised land because of his sinfulness. God raised up Joshua. And Joshua was a warrior. He was a captain. He was leading God's people into the promised land, uh, into the land of promise that God had promised to them. And here's Jesus, the even greater captain the even greater warrior who leads us into the promised land of heaven, the new heaven and new earth that opens up paradise for us. Name of Jesus, Yahshua. Why? Because he's our commander. Uh, he is our warrior. He's leading us home, right? And then you get to a little prophet named Zechariah, and Zechariah has a high priest by the name of Joshua. Uh, and interestingly, Scripture tells us in Zechariah 3 that he's being, he's being accused by Satan, and that there he is standing before God and he's wearing his priestly robes and they're filthy. They're gross. And God says, listen, that's my high priest. And look at him. He's, he's filthy in the sins of God's people. Clean him up. Let's put a clean, let's put a clean turban on him. Let's, let's put clean robes on him. And what is this? This is an amazing picture of what Jesus does for us. The scripture in the New Testament says Jesus is not only our king and our prophet, he's our high priest. And how does Jesus become filthy? He wears our sin. He wears our sin on the cross. He, he, he bore our filth so that we could be robed in his righteousness. So give him the name Jesus so you can go all the way through scripture and say, wow, God saves. This is what God does for his people. It's an incredible thing. And so that's what you want to make sure you give him the name Jesus because he is going to save us. He wore our filth so we could wear his righteousness. Uh, the writer of Hebrews in 7.25 says this, this Jesus, he can save us to the uttermost. He can save us to the very end. Why? Because of the way he lived his life, he fulfilled all that God required, the way he died a death in our, on our behalf, that he'll save us. So that's the meaning of the name, Savior. Jesus saves. What about the exalting of the name? 
Well, God the Father who gave the name to Jesus, exalted the name of Jesus, it's above every other name, and rightfully so. The greatest name ever is the name Jesus. I want to take you to what Paul wrote in the epistle to the Philippians, Philippians 2. Um, he says this in verse 5 and following. Have this very mind among you, which is yours in Christ Jesus. I was going to tell you who Christ Jesus is. Who, though he was in the form of God, Jesus, God in flesh, did not count equality with God something to be grasped. He would empty himself. Uh, he would veil himself, that deity, by putting on flesh. But he emptied himself by, watch this, by taking the form of a servant. Jesus, God in flesh, became a servant, born in the likeness of men, fully God, fully man. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Wow, Jesus came to save us, would take us to the cross to do it. But here's what verse 9 says, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him that the name of Jesus is above every name. That, that, that is above every name, so the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in, in heaven and on earth and under earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. God the Father, exalting the name of God the Son above all name. Let me ask you this question. What is the name of Jesus to you? Is he your Savior? Are you bending your knee now to Jesus? A day will come, you will. By God's grace, he offers that to us now. There's no better time than to know who Jesus is. Um, Luke, when he wrote the book of Acts, says this beautiful reality in Luke, uh, Acts 4, 12. And there is salvation in no one else. He's the Savior. There's no one else where salvation is there. There's no, under, no other name under heaven given in among men whereby you must be saved. Jesus came as Savior. He's the only Savior. There's no other hope. So that's what we have, the giving uh, of, you shall call his name Jesus. But then it'll say this, Jesus will save. What does that tell us? Well, he's not just a teacher. Although Rabbi Jesus was the greatest of all teachers, no one taught like he did. He set people's hearts on fire. He blew their mind with, as he opened up scripture. Even as a 12-year-old in the temple, the, the religious leader's like, how does, this, how does this young man know this stuff? But you see, Jesus was way more than just a rabbi. God didn't send his son in the world to be primarily a teacher. Yes, he was, but that's not what he primarily was. Why? Because we need more than knowledge. Because we need more than a role model. We need a savior. We need more than a teacher. He's not just a comforter. Although Jesus is the greatest of comforters. And he is the God of all comfort. And knowing him is so comforting throughout all of life. But Jesus didn't put on flesh and dwell among us just to comfort us. And if that was enough, I'm gonna say praise God, but he did more. He came to seek and to save the lost. And to seek and save the lost, watch this, they, they needed more than comfort, they needed rescue. They didn't need to have Jesus show up just where they were and say, hey, I'm just with you and I want you to know I feel you, what you're feeling. I gotta get you out of this. I gotta get you out of here. I gotta save you. And he's not just a counselor. Although Jesus is the greatest of counselors, he's what scripture will say. We sang about it today out of Isaiah chapter 9. He's the wonderful counselor, meaning he knows all things. But we, watch this, we need more than a comforter that will help us navigate our issues in our lives. We need more than a, comfort, a counselor that will help us feel comfortable in our own skin. We need a savior who rescues us out of our condition. 
Jesus is a savior. Jesus came on a rescue mission that would cost him his life. I mean, that's how costly this was. And he came to save us from what? From hell. From the separation of his father. He came to save us. He will save. I love this. Give him the name Jesus. Why? Because he's going to save. And how does he save? He saves us by his righteous life. Holy God requiring that we fulfill the requirements of the law. Jesus did it. Woohoo! We are saved through his righteous life. We are saved through his atoning death. He paid the price for us. We are saved through his victorious resurrection. Jesus saves. It worked. But then it goes on to say, Jesus will save his people. Interesting. Well, Jesus is certainly the only hope for the entire world. There's no one else coming that the world can have hope in. There's no other hope in for human, humankind to be rescued apart from Jesus. He's not just a way to be saved. He is the way to be saved. He's not just a way to find life. He is the life. He's not just a way to the truth. Scripture says he is the truth. And Jesus came to save his people. He's the hope of the whole world. But he says very specifically, hey, by the way, I actually came for my own. Now, you know what the worst kind of present under the Christmas tree is, don't you? It's the present without a tag on it. Where everybody wonders, who's the gift for? Who's it for? You know, and you, all your kids are like, it's for me. It's mine. You know, I mean, all of our selfishness. Clearly, it's my gift. Uh, I know, I, I think I'm owing one more. But when you have that gift under the tree and there's absolutely not a tag and you don't know who it's for, it might cause a little bit of where did this come from? But let me tell you, when Jesus came to earth, there wasn't confusion. He had a specific tag. He says, I've come for my people, his people. It says through scripture, listen, I've come for my sheep. I've come for my church. I've come for the elect. I've come for my family. He's the hope of the whole world, but he specifically came for his lost sheep. We're all lost. There's no one who's not lost. But he had focus on those that were his. He came for the lost, and he will not miss any of them. What he did with this, if you're his, he put your name on the gift of salvation. He came for you. Make it personal. Rob, he came to rescue you, bro. Your name, before time began, he came for you specifically. And man, that's amazing. Not only does he come for his people, he comes and he powers us and gives us the gift of faith to open up that gift. So let me ask you, is Jesus your Savior? Did he die specifically for your sins? Have you embraced him by God's grace through faith? Well, my, 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 some of you might be saying, well, wait a minute, I don't know. How do I know if I'm his people? If it says specifically Jesus came to save his people, how do I know if I'm his? Well, let me tell you, Scripture says that if you are his sheep, you will hear his voice. It will say that if you are his sheep, you will desire to obey him, not always perfectly, let me put it this way. If you are here and you have a love for Jesus, you're his, all right? He gave that to you. So you don't have to worry, oh, crud, am I a part of his people? There's no one who comes to him he'll never drive away, no one. And if you're moving toward Jesus and, you, and, you're, and you're trying to figure it out, there's good news, that, there's evidence that God's grace is on you because that's a reality that God's moving in your heart. So don't let this freak you out, but let it examine your heart. He came to save his people. Are you his? Has your knee bowed? Have you confessed to your mouth that Jesus is Lord? Is he your savior? And what does he specifically say? Jesus will save his people from 
their sins. That's what he came to save us from, from our sins. There's three things I want to show you with this. He saved us from the penalty of our sins. Scripture tells us, watch this, that the soul that sinneth, the soul that sins will die. Who sins? Scripture also tells, tells us that we've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. We're in the same pot. We're in the same mess. We're in the same predicament. Every one of us is born in the same condition. And Scripture is going to say, wow, the wages of sin, the, the consequences, the payment holy God gives for sins is death. So Scripture is clear on that. So how did Jesus rescue us from that death? He had to die a death. To, he had to die to bring death to death. He had to hang on the cross and become our sin. I love 2 Corinthians 5.21. God took him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to become sin, our sin, so that in him we could become the righteousness of God. Jesus hung on the cross specifically as Savior to pay the debt of sin. Listen to this passage. Romans 8, 1. For those of you who know you're a sinner, but embrace Christ as Savior, listen to this passage. Therefore, there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You know what this is saying? The penalty of sin, not just a little bit of it, all of it has been paid. We owe nothing to God's law. Think about that. God's law has, has been completed in Christ. God's wrath has been fully absorbed in Christ on the cross. Through his resurrection, life now reigns. We're free. You know what this means? I mean, you want to get up and dance? You can. You are forgiven in Christ Jesus. That your sins have been separated as far as the east is from the west. This is what a Savior does. This is what he does. He's going to remove that which is separating us from holy God in Christ Jesus. Not in you, not in your righteousness, not in your goodness, not in your church membership, not in what you try to do. In Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation from a holy God. That's how good Jesus is, is our Savior. He saved us not only from the penalty of sin, he saves us from the power of sin. We all are born sinners, and we are born as slaves to sin. I, I love this question. It's a riddle. Let me ask it to you. Are we sinners because we sin, or do we sin because we're sinners? Let me ask it again. Are we sinners because we sin, or do we sin because we're sinners? Anybody know the answer? True, both. But originally, we sin because we're sinners. It's natural. We are by nature, Scripture tells us, bad picture. Uh, we, by nature, we are born sinners. By nature, we are children of wrath, unable to do good. Um, you know, I love that, that even the reality of this morning in Paul Tripp's devotional, he says, if you don't really want to get the good news of the, of, of the Christmas story, you've got to get the bad news. And the bad news is, it's so bad for us that we need a Savior. It's so bad. Jesus had to come just... More than just come as a teacher or a counselor or a comforter. It's so bad. We're so broken, so separated. He had to come as Savior. Because why? We can't save ourselves. And we have no power to do it. The only way that we can is that we become new creatures, born again, and we have a new nature. Now we have the power of sin has been broken. We still wrestle with it, do we not? Do you not still wrestle with the brokenness of your life? I do, every day. And every day I have to live my life in confession and faith. 
Every day I start my day and, and try to dig at his word. And I got to say, God, I messed up again. God, I'm prone to wander. Man, my thoughts, my words, my deeds don't reflect what I want it to be. And let me just confess how much I need Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I thank you that now the power of sin has been broken, that you've given me your Holy Spirit. And that now, as, as 2 Peter 1.3 says, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Hey, the power of sin has been broken in a sense that now we can wrestle. Uh, now that, that now... Before this happens, we can't even wrestle. All we can do is sin. But one day, my brothers and sisters, God, in his grace in Christ, will save us from the very presence of sin. One day, the presence of sin will be removed. It's called glorification. Oh, the glory of that day. You know, there's a tradition called the holiness movement. And when I, my, my mom grew up, uh, she grew up with, uh, I'm going to tell you, my mom is an incredible lover of Jesus. She's, she's there with him now. Uh, and an incredible evangelist, but she had some terrible theology growing up. Don't don't tell her uh, when we get to heaven. She really had. But there was a sense that she had some pastors who would say that you should be able to have the power to be perfectly sinless in this life. Huh. I'm like seriously, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor's self in this life. Are you telling me that I, I you know? And, and and she would tell me that she had some pastors who would say, I haven't sinned in six years. I'm like. Liar! <laughs> Man, you just did! You know, I mean, I mean, seriously. I mean, do you know how low you must think of God's law if you think that you could live uh, this life without sinning? Do you know how much you think, must think of your righteousness if you think you could live according to God's perfect plan? Let me tell you something. We need a Savior. We need it every moment. And we have one. His name is Jesus. And yes, he's taken the penalty away from us, and he's broken the power and there's one day he's going to take away the presence. But let me tell you something. My brothers and sisters, we're going to struggle all the way home. You're still going to be a knucklehead. And the things you struggle with, I hope he sets you free. And sometimes he does. Sometimes the drunk doesn't have a desire for a drink again. But sometimes that drunk is going to desire it every day of their life. And so those who wrestle with porn, you might still be wrestling. I hope God sets you free. But you know what? The enemy knows what, you, what your weakness is. And he's going to come after you. Remember, the penalty's been paid. There's no condemnation. When Satan, here, here's the jerk that Satan is. He tempts us, and then he accuses us. What a jerk, right? Apply the gospel, the gospel truth to that situation. Don't let anybody tell you that you're not going to be free from sin this side of glory. You're going to wrestle. Read Romans 7. Here's Paul. The things I want to do, I don't do. The things I hate, I do. What in the world's the matter with me? But how did he solve that? He looked at the gospel. Remember verse 8-1? There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. That's the beauty and the reality of what Christ has done for us. God has given us a Savior. His name is Jesus. Is he your Savior? Have you bowed your knee? Are you placing your trust in anything other than Christ Jesus to save you, to fulfill you? Are you looking anywhere in life for you to find freedom? It's only offered in Christ Jesus. For you to be fruitful, it's only in Christ Jesus. Is your name on that gift? And by God's grace, have you unwrapped it and embraced Christ as your Lord and Savior? Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you gave us more than a teacher, more than a counselor, more than a comforter. You gave us a Savior. 
Why? Because that's exactly what we need. We don't need to just be cleaned up a little bit. We don't need to just be encouraged a little bit. We don't need to be just nudged a little bit. We need to be radically rescued. We need to have the dead come to life. We need to have that which is by nature children of wrath be adopted as beloved children of God. And the only way that can happen is through the life, death, and resurrection of a Savior named Jesus. God, we thank you for the love you have for sinners like us that you would send your son. Jesus, we thank you for the love that you have for us, that you, the eternal God, would put on flesh and dwell among us to rescue us. And you knew that the only way that that could happen was through a Roman cross. And you still came. Oh, what love. And Holy Spirit, thank you for the love you have for us, that that you have applied the love of the Father and the work of the Son to our lives. And you fill us and you make us the temple of the Holy Spirit. God, I pray for anyone online who's watching or anybody who's here that may know Jesus but doesn't really know Jesus as Lord and Savior. May today be the day when they get it, when they realize that they need to be rescued. And their only hope is a Savior and a gift that you have given to us, Father, named Jesus. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.